It is good to see everybody this morning. I thought before we talked about Jesus' prayer, I would share with you, because I thought maybe we'd get a chuckle out of this, uh, some children's prayers that were, were pretty good. Uh, one child prayed, Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. Or, dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. <laughs> or, dear God, when will my sister stop, be annoy stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. <laughs> dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. Or, dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. <laughs> or, because we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, I liked this one. Our Father who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? <laughs> That's good. That's good. We started last week looking at two different passages. One from Matthew 6 from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, or a model prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples, pray like this, and then comparing that to John 17 in the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father on the night that he was betrayed. And we've been talking about the difference between Jesus' prayers and our prayers, the way we tend to pray and the way Jesus teaches us to pray. We're all pretty good about praying about what we care about. We're pretty good about praying about the things that are top of mind. We're pretty good about praying about the things that affect us and touch our lives most often. So we pray about things like my health, my family, my friends, the things for which I'm thankful. We, we pray about the things in our own little circle. But last week we talked about how Jesus teaches us to pray our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus teaches us to make the Father the center of our prayers, for God to take center stage in our prayer life and not for ourselves to take center stage in our prayer life. Jesus teaches us to embrace a bigger world, a bigger story, and to embrace a bigger prayer life. So let's look again at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and that, that model prayer, and, and let's look at the next section. But he says this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, whenever I've read that second section there, give us this day our daily bread, I've always focused on maybe the bread part of it, because I like to eat, you know, or maybe uh, the daily part of it. But how often do we stop and think about the us and the our part of it? Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. Not just for my daily bread, but for our daily bread. And, and I've been thinking about that phrase all week this week, give us 
Give us this day our daily bread. Who, who is the us? Who's the us? Who's the hour? Whose bread are we praying for? It's one thing to pray for my daily bread. It's one thing for you to pray for your daily bread. It's one thing for me to pray for my family's daily bread. It's one thing even for me to pray for my friend's daily bread. But how big is that circle of people for whom we're praying, give us this day our daily bread? See, Jesus is making us a part of a community, isn't he? Salvation, and the more we really understand the New Testament and understand the scriptures, the more we see that salvation is not an individual thing, it's a community thing. That Jesus isn't just saving you and me. He's not just saving me as an individual or you as an individual. He's saving you as a part of a family, as a part of a group. We have that picture in the book of Exodus, and that's what I think about when I hear these words. I think about the Exodus. I think about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and wandering in the wilderness and finally arriving in the promised land, and what did God do for them on a daily basis? He gave them that day their daily bread. And I think when Jesus invites us to pray, not just Father, give me this day my daily bread. But when Jesus invites us to pray, our Father, give us this day our daily bread, that he's inviting us to pray for the entire Christian community. That he's inviting us to pray for all of our brothers and sisters. That he's inviting us to pray for the entire church that he is leading out of the kingdoms of darkness and into the kingdom of light. That he's leading us and saving us and rescuing us and that we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And when we pray for our daily bread, when you pray for your daily bread, he invites you not just to pray for your daily bread or even for just your family's daily bread or even just your friend's daily bread or even just the people in your own country, your daily bread, but for all of your brothers and sisters, for the entire church. It's not just about me, but about us. And so the first question that comes to my mind as I think about the way Jesus teaches his people to pray is this, do our prayers reflect a mindfulness of the needs of the Christian community? Not just this community in this room right now, not just the community of McDermott Road, not even just the needs of Christian brothers and sisters in this country, but our Christian brothers and sisters all across the world. Our Christian brothers and sisters across the world are going through things right now that we really can't even imagine. And I think when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, provide for us, take care of us, feed us today, that he invites us to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world for whom, many of whom, their daily bread is a lot harder to come by than ours is. I was reading this week about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus in North Korea. And somebody wrote out 
what it might be like if you were a follower of Jesus in North Korea where it's illegal to follow Jesus, it's illegal to have the Bible. You, if you have a copy of the Bible, I, I read that, that some people, what they'll do is they'll, they'll go out into a piece of land and they'll dig a hole and they'll bury their Bible and they'll only sneak out at night when no one else is around and no one can see them and they'll dig up their Bible and they'll bring it in and they'll read it for a little while and then they'll take it back and bury it in the hole so that no one can find it. In fact, many of them hope that their own children, if their children are rather small, they hope that their children don't accidentally discover their Bible because if their children accidentally discover their Bible before they're old enough to know what it's all about, they might accidentally tell someone and get the entire family in trouble. And so somebody wrote this, what it's like being a Christian or a follower of Jesus in North Korea. The curtains are pulled and very, very softly you read from the Bible to your wife and 16-year-old son. You've only recently shared the gospel with him. Now he's old enough and wise enough not to accidentally betray you. Of course, he didn't understand the gospel at first, but you're teaching him. You've been praying for years that he'd be ready. You read the Bible in the dark. You pray. The words are hardly audible. Do, do you sing in whispers? Maybe when you're in a bold mood. So what if, what if when we prayed, give us this day our daily bread, we're not just praying for our family's daily bread, our immediate family's daily bread. We're not just praying for the people that we know. We're praying for all of our brothers and sisters around the globe. Father, as you took care of your people, as you brought them out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness and you gave to them their daily manna and you brought them into the promised land, give us, all of your people this day, our daily bread. When we pray for the us and we pray for the hour, may that us and our be made up of all of God's people. And, and then you think about the next phrase that he prays. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. He doesn't just invite us to pray for forgiveness. He doesn't just ask us and invite us to pray as forgiven people. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness you will give me. Please, God, forgive me. But he asks us to pray as forgiving people, not just as forgiven people or people who have access to God's forgiveness, but he invites us to pray as transformed people, forgiven people. He invites us to anchor our request for forgiveness in our transformation in the way that we treat other people. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, we have been transformed, Father, into people who forgive our debtors. We've let go of our bitterness. We've let go of our anger. We've let go of our hatred. We've let go of all of those things. We've let go of our rage. We have forgiven 
the people who have transgressed against us. We have forgiven the people who owe us. We have forgiven our debtors. We've let it go. And now we ask you, as transformed people, as forgiving people, that you forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. It isn't us, of course, that has transformed us. We haven't transformed ourselves into forgiving people, but it's the gospel. It's being disciples of Jesus that has transformed us, isn't it? Into forgiving people. People that have let go of our rage. People that have let go of our hatred. People who have let go of our bitterness. People who have forgiven And now Jesus invites us to anchor our request for forgiveness in the transformation that we've experienced in that we have forgiven others. And you say, well, what if I haven't? What if I haven't forgiven others? What if I haven't forgiven my debtors? Do it, right? Do it. That's what the gospel calls us to do, to love to forgive, to let go, to experience the joy of that transformation, and then to pray as transformed people. So here's another question that we might ask based on the model prayer. Do our prayers reflect a transformation in the way we think about and treat our debtors? See, Jesus doesn't just invite us to pray for oneness in the church family, but he, pray, he invites us to pray with oneness. Give us this day our daily bread. And he doesn't just invite us to pray for transformation. Please, God, help me to forgive my debtors. But he invites us to pray with transformation. I have forgiven my debtors. Please, Father, Forgive me as I have forgiven my debtors. Forgive me my debts. And not just forgive me my debts. Again, with a larger community in mind, forgive us our debts as we have been so transformed as to forgive our debtors. Now, with these things in mind, now let's look at John chapter 17 and look at the way Jesus prays. The night that he's betrayed, he prays for his disciples. John 17 and verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom, you've gi- who, whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they are, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Do you see how Jesus prays with a mindfulness of the community of God's people? How he's praying, thinking about the entire group of his followers, and even, we'll see in a second, even beyond those who are right then following him. Jesus is praying with the mindfulness of the entire community of God's people. And so that that invites us to pray that way, doesn't it? Do we pray with the mindfulness of all of God's people? 
people. And do you see how he prays with a mindfulness about the transformation that those people have already undergone? He says, they have kept your word. They have received the words that you gave to me and have come to know in truth that, excuse me, that I came from you. They've received your words. They've kept your words. They've obeyed you. They've listened to you through me and they've been transformed. Do we pray with the mindfulness of the transformation that has already been experienced in us? Sometimes we just pray for it as if it's out there and it's always, it's like the little, the little carrot at the end of the stick, you know, and you try to get the donkey to walk, you know, and it, it's always out there and you're always grasping for it and you're always trying to get it. But Jesus says, you've already, you already have it. You've already been transformed. You've already, or you should have already become a forgiving people. A people who have listened to the words of Jesus. A people who are already beginning to be transformed to love as Jesus loves. So not just pray for transformation, but pray with transformation. Father, Forgive us as we have forgiven others. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Give us this day our daily bread. Look at verse 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified, right? Lifted up. I'm king. I'm glorified in them and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be, what church? One. That they may be one, even as we are one. Praying with and praying for oneness, unity. This is why we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Because my needs are your needs. Your needs are my needs. Our brothers and sisters around the world, their needs are our needs. Do you remember when, when Christianity first got kicked off the day of Pentecost and the Spirit came down, the gospel was proclaimed and 3,000 people were baptized into Jesus? Do you remember what the church community was like? There was not a poor person among them. Why? Because they all had everything in common. They shared everything. They shared everything. Why? Because my house is your house. Mi casa es su casa. My stuff is your stuff. Your needs are my needs. Your hurts are my hurts. We bear what Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is what it looks like to be Jesus' people. Oneness. Your needs are my needs. Your hurts are my hurts. My stuff is your stuff. We get through this together. We walk in this together. Most immediately with the church family that's right here. But also throughout the world. Do we pray for that kind of oneness and with that kind of oneness? Do we pray with the mindfulness of the entire community of God's people? Give us this day our daily bread. 
When you pray for your family's daily bread, are you also praying for your family in Haiti? Are you praying for your family in Nicaragua? Are you praying for your family in Mexico? Are you praying for your family in Estonia? Are you praying for your family in North Korea? Are you praying for your family in China? Are you praying for your family all over the world? Are you praying for your brothers and sisters? Give us this day our daily bread as the people that are being brought out of captivity and into your eternal kingdom. Feed us today, Father. Bless us. Nourish us. Take care of us. And one of the ways that he gives us this day our daily bread is through each other, isn't it? We have all things in common and we take care of one another because your needs are my needs. My needs are your needs. My stuff is your stuff. Do we pray for oneness and with oneness? It's one thing to just always be praying, God, give us unity, make us one, help us to be one, help the church to be one. It's one thing to pray for oneness. It's another thing to pray with oneness where we feel each other's needs and we feel each other's burdens and we feel each other's joys and we share those things and we pray for our daily bread. And we also pray with transformation as a transformed people. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Look at verse 20 or skip down to verse 20 if you would. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays not only for the 12 or for the 11, not only for the apostles that are right there, but for all of those who will believe through their word. Who's that? You, me, every Christian alive, every Christian that has been alive, because all of us believe in Jesus through the testimony of the apostles. And Jesus prays not only for the immediate disciples that are right there with him, but also those across, across the globe and across time. He prays for all of us that we may be what? One, that we may be one. Do we, do we pray that way? Do we pray not only for each other in this room and second service and fellowship halls? Do we pray not only for McDermott Road, but do we pray for our brothers and sisters across the globe? And do we pray for our brothers and sisters across time? You know, we, we talk a lot about our Brighter Together efforts and us expanding our facility here to make room for more disciples more followers of Jesus. I hope and I pray that 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 50 years from now, there are disciples, followers of Jesus here because of what we're doing now. Are we praying for them? That they come to hear through the testimony of the apostles and that we are one. Do we pray with that oneness in mind? And look at what he says, how much we would be one. He says, as you and I are one. We, we use a, a fancy theological word for the Godhead, right? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We say Trinity. 
that word tri three yun one right three in one and Jesus prays for that type of unity many being one to be experienced not just by him and the Father and the Spirit, but by all of us, that we all might experience the type of oneness that he has with the Father. What if we learn to not only pray for that unity, but pray with that unity? Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Oneness, right? Oneness that we might be and experience and have the same oneness that the Father and the Son have, but also a visible transformation. Jesus says this oneness that he wants you and I to experience, all of his disciples to experience, what's the purpose of it? That the world might know, right? That the world might know. And does that remind you what Jesus said in John chapter 13? He said to his disciples, they will the people out there, the world, they will know you by your what? Love for one another. Visible transformation. Oneness and transformation. Oneness and transformation. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have already forgiven our debtors. Oneness. And transformation. Where were we? Sorry. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. Now listen to this part. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Isn't that, isn't that what Jesus is teaching us to pray when he tells us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Pray not only to be transformed by the Father's love, but pray as people who are transformed by the Father's love, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do we pray like that? Do we pray as people who are unified with all of Jesus' people? And do we pray as people who have been transformed by the Father's love? Your love, Father, is in me, is in us. Your forgiveness is in us. Your son is in us. We are one. Our needs are each other's needs. And so I don't just pray for my own bread. I pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I don't just pray for my own forgiveness. I pray for our forgiveness. 
that you would forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do we pray with that kind of oneness, that kind of mindfulness of the entire community of God's people and that kind of transformation? So here's our moment of truth question. Do your prayers reflect oneness and transformation? Do your prayers reflect the fact that Jesus has loved you, that Jesus has forgiven you, that Jesus has transformed you, that Jesus has brought you together with all of his people across the globe, that you're a part of a family that's not just one or two or three or four or five. You're a part of a family that's millions. Do our prayers reflect that sort of oneness? Not just, not just, and I do think we ought to pray for that oneness. We ought to pray for unity, but we also need to pray with unity. Not just, Father, make us one, but Father, since you have made us one, give us this day our daily bread. Not just pray for transformation, help me to forgive my debtors, but to pray with transformation. Imagine how that might change your life. Imagine if you're the kind of person right now that you're holding on to a grudge. You're holding on to bitterness. You're holding on to a debt. And you're saying, I will not forgive them. I will not let it go. I, I will always hold on to it. I'm always going to hate their stinking guts because of what they did to me. And you embrace what Jesus has done for you and the life into which he has called you and what you've experienced in Jesus and you forgive your debtors. And then because you let that go and when you let that go and when you release that debt and then you pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Only he can give you the power through the spirit to forgive like that. And only when you forgive like that can you pray like this. Only when you're called into and step into and embrace this oneness can you pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. For us as Americans, it's really easy for us to think about the church as just something we come to. It's an activity. Once a week, twice a week, three times a week. It's something that we come to, maybe something we support, maybe something we really like, maybe something we really appreciate, but is it something that we are a part of? A part of not only here, but a part of throughout the world, that we're a part of a movement, we're part of a family, we're part of a kingdom, we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves, and this oneness is not only something we should embrace, it's something with which we should pray at the very top of our minds. And so maybe this morning is our opportunity to pray for you. Maybe you have something going on in your life. If you have a hurt in your life, if you have a pain in your life, if you have a burden in your life that you need help carrying, then it's our burden too. It's our pain too. It's our hurt too. And we want to pray for your daily bread and your daily hurt and your daily pain. We want to because you're a part of us. 
We can't know what's going on in your life and we can't pray with you and pray for you and help you and bear your burdens unless you share it with us. Our shepherds meet every single Sunday morning after service in the prayer room. They meet with people over and over again to pray with them and help bear their burdens. And we give you an opportunity every week for you to come and share it with this entire church family because we love you, because we're part of the same body, because your hunger is our hunger. Your hurt is our hurt. Your pain is our pain. But maybe, maybe you're not part of the body of Jesus yet. And maybe you haven't experienced the forgiveness that comes through putting Jesus on in baptism. And maybe you've been thinking about that and studying about that and talking about that and you're ready to be baptized into Jesus or you need prayers or you need encouragement. This is your opportunity. This is your moment of truth. If we can help you in any way, now is a great opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.